Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Jeff Bebas, thanks for joining Listening with Leaders. You are the Chief Operating Officer of Caring Senior Service, founded Caring... CaringSeniorService.com. I think I got that right. Yes. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this business of, of providing home care for seniors. Absolutely, Doug. I appreciate being with you today. Um, I've been in this industry for 19 years uh, in the home care industry. Um, I've been in franchising for 36 years. Wow. Um, to me, kind of the best of both worlds was um, when I went into the home care industry 19 years ago to uh, rebuild a brand. Uh, and I'd also been a caregiver to elderly um, grandparents, aunts and uncles previously, uh, but really saw a great combination of taking my franchising experience and then the kind of the calling and the servant leadership aspect of home, home care and having the best of both worlds here over the last 19 years to, to rebuild home care brands, build a home care brand from scratch myself. Uh, and now at Caring Senior Service to really try to leverage uh, a great opportunity here as well. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I read your bio on your website and uh, I said, boy, this company is really lucky to have you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. You've got a, I mean, you've got such a deep, and wide background in so many aspects of, of business. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the fran- you've been. You said you've been in the franchising business for thirty six years. I presume operating as a, as a franchisor or working for a franchisor, or have you been a franchisee too? Yes, yeah, so I, I have not been a franchisee. So it's always been working uh, for a franchisor or being a, a franchisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually led seven different companies in five different industries. Wow. Um, all in a franchise environment, car rental, truck rental, air, air, airport parking, employment staffing, and home decorating services, in addition to home care. What, what attracted you to the franchise business? You know, I really enjoy working with entrepreneurs. And uh, er, early on, I was working with um, technically licensees who were very much a, a franchisee too, and just really enjoyed helping them build their business, grow their business, um, give them advice, support. And uh, the franchising world is, as you may know, is all about giving that guidance and advisory and let them be in business for themselves, but not by themselves. Right. Um, And because the success of the franchisor is totally based on the success of the franchisee. Yes, completely. And if you don't, if you don't have success with franchisees, you're out of business. That's right. So interesting. Um, what do you see? We were just talking a moment ago about the the growth that you see in senior senior care service. Maybe before, I want to talk about that, but let's talk a little bit about what caring senior services provides. It's non medical 
senior care? What kind of services are provided? Yeah, so it's it's it is technically non-medical in in home care. So um, services like meal preparation, light housekeeping, transportation, errands, also personal care, bathing, feeding, grooming, incontinence care. But again, non-medical. So these are not nurses; they are caregivers or what are called personal care aides. Um, and everything is provided by the hour. Um, so it's caring for a senior or really it's anyone over 18 years of age, um, just oftentimes because of the market being so deep on the senior side, it's oftentimes a, an, an aging family member, um, but we're caring for them in, in their homes, also within facilities. So inside assisted living or independent living facilities or memory care units are all opportunities for us too. Wow. And, and how many franchisees do you have? We have 55 uh, owners markets in the U.S. today in 18 states. That that covers a big portion of the country, doesn't it? It does. We're literally coast to coast, and we're in Florida, we're in California, uh, heavily in Texas, but but also across the Midwest and and Northeast too. And 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 how I commented. Before we start recording that, I thought you're in a major growth industry right now. What's going on with with the with with the opportunities in providing uh, in-home care for seniors? Yeah, it is it is truly exploding and and has been growing rapidly, Doug, for for decades. I mentioned I've been in 19 years, um, and we have probably not quite at the midpoint today. So we have at least another two plus decades of pretty pretty. Uh, dramatic growth with aging baby boomers, the aging demographics of, a, of the U.S. So, um, yeah, we just, the demand for services, it just keeps going higher and higher. Our biggest challenge, quite honestly, is labor, is having enough quality caregivers. I was going to ask you, that would strike me as being a choke point for this sort of thing, finding people who are willing to work, doing this kind of work, paying them a decent wage to attract them, but mostly vetting them to make sure they're qualified and then training them to do yes. maintaining quality control. How do you manage all that? Yeah, really it's the, the training and retaining ends up being the biggest the biggest challenges. Um, it, it is definitely something that I think sets the successful from the not so successful part in this industry and probably, you know, not unlike any other industry too. So it's the consistency the execution of the process, the hiring, the onboarding, the training, especially the training and education, kind of professional development. Most of our brands in this industry don't invest in their caregivers the way they really should. And that ends up setting people apart and gives them a, a lower caregiver turnover rate and a higher caregiver retention rate. Right. And how do you, how do you guys separate yourselves from, 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 from everybody else? Yeah, at Caring Senior Service, we have a couple major differentiators. One, we're a tablet-based technology platform. We're the only home care brand in the U.S. that is tablet-based. And what that means, Doug, is we have a, a tablet in each client's home. And not only does the caregiver clock in, clock out off that tablet, but that's also where the family or the client uh, can see caregiver notes, schedules, wow. updates. Um, plus, it gives us kind of a, a look into the client's environment and how we can try to help him or her um, <clears throat> from ongoing challenges like avoiding fall risks, education, training 
for the caregivers. And we, we have quite a few additional services we're going to be adding to the tablets, but that's a major differentiator in and of itself. Um, it does give us also uh, what we call our great care methodology, which is a high focus on, on a higher level of care, higher level of quality um, that really includes caregiver training and professional development, like I mentioned before, that is just not as much as you would hope it's a constant in our industry. It's not in place in every single brand. Wow. Huh. Well, what gets you excited every morning? You get up and go to work. Well, I uh, I really enjoy growing organizations, growing teams, building teams. Um, I know when I was a, a young kid, I thought I wanted to be an architect, and I've thought about this since uh, many times. I kind of see myself as being an architect of companies and of teams and of brands now. So uh, that's what gets me excited every day is to come in and and how are we going to grow or build or perfect our, our model to, to serve more and more people. How many, how many, uh, roughly how many employees do you have in the, in, 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 in the company, um, caring, caring senior service? Yeah. Across the system, uh, we have about 1900 wow. employees on a daily basis. This would be, this would be across the whole franchise system. Yes. And with 55 franchise or so franchisees. So that's a, that's a big operation. It is. It is. And, you know, probably if you want to make it even more daunting, <laughs> we, we really need to to be adding close to another 1,000 caregivers this year alone just to keep up. Wow. Where do you find where do you find people that are willing to do this work? Yeah, it's it's certainly a diverse um, list of sources. Um, we, we use job boards just like most of us other employers in the industry or outside the industry. But um, what we find more and more success with, Doug, is what I call grassroots recruiting, which is churches, um, CNA schools, which are certified nursing assistant schools, community colleges. Um, those are really the sources where we end up getting more of our quality caregivers that we're looking for, that we need. And what, what draws people to do this kind of work? This is hard work. It can be hard work. It can be. You're right. It's you know it's a great way to give back. You definitely make a difference in people's lives and in the community you serve. Um, so that's what we look for. And I think that's what drives most people is they want to, in many cases, they've been a family caregiver themselves. So they want to try to help someone else uh, or help other families too. Well, that, I mean, that that's, that's really neat. And, and I'm glad that there are people out there that are really willing to do the work because of its service to others. Very, very true. And it, you know, it kind of crosses generations as well. Um, we see many, many more retired teachers, retired nurses, almost like people that want a second or third career um, that are also either staying in the workforce or coming back into the workforce, as well as you have kids that are in college in nursing school or looking for a part-time job uh, and everybody in between. Wow. Interesting. What is it, what is it you think that's unique about you? that you bring to the table for caring, caring senior service? Um, well, I've always been a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I'll just make that statement right up front, but uh, I just, I have a different way of thinking. Um, and, you know, we're all very, very unique, obviously, but my approach has mm -hmm. always been to leverage individual talents 
um, and try to unify teams and unify organizations to, to serve and operate and really perform uh, at a higher higher level. Um, I've always been very service oriented, very service focused. Um, so my approach is, is probably tilted more heavily to, to how are we kind of in a block-in tackling mode, even though at a in a C-suite position, um, I'm still very much focused on, so how are we accomplishing the day-to-day, -day, you know, week by week, kind of in block-in tackling fundamentals of the business, whether it's home care or any other mm -hmm. business that's really gonna provide the right experience, a better experience for the end user, the consumer or the client. Right. Um, so let's shift to listening. How important is listening in your work as a chief operating officer? Oh my gosh, I think it's paramount. <laughs> Tell me why. Oh, um, well, I think for a couple of reasons. One, it's how we know what's really happening. Um, you know, I think some of this is probably age or maturity, because I can tell you, um, you know, 40 years ago when I started my business career, um, I probably wasn't a very good listener. In fact, I'm sure I wasn't a very good listener. <laughs> um, and I had my own ideas and uh, I was probably a little more of a hard, hard charger. Not that I'm pretty aggressive and a maximizer now, but I do see and have learned over my career, Doug, the, the importance of listening and, and team building, collaboration, cohesion, um, and that and that, hey, I don't have all, all the ideas, I don't have all the solutions. In fact, I may not have most of them, but the power of the team around me and the people that we all work with is usually much, much greater than the individual. Right. So um, I, I'm going to assume, well, let me, I, I won't assume. So how much mentoring do you do in your organization? Constantly, constantly. And I think, yeah, any successful franchise system has mentoring rippling all through it, whether it be franchisee to franchisee, franchisor to franchisee. Um, that's, that is an absolute, uh, you know, bedrock piece of, of a successful franchise. And what are the kinds of skills that you're imparting to the people that you're mentoring? Um, it's a combination of, I think, hard, well, I would say hard skills and soft skills. So, you know, it's hard skills like business planning, uh, projections, the financial side of the business, um, legal compliance types of things, HR, payroll, but then also on the soft side, it's, you know, how to build relationships with clients or better relationships with clients, employees, co co-workers. So kind of both the soft and the hard mm -hmm. skills, absolutely all the time. And, and you're doing this not, you're doing the system wide. We are. As, in, as well as within the actual company that you work for. Yes. Yeah, so and we have 17 employees here as the franchisor supporting all of the offices. So that's yeah, kind of a dual level mentoring, if you will. So yeah, that's um, a that's a pretty um pretty lean organization to be supporting 55 franchisees and 1900 uh, employees. It is. It is uh it not I would say not too far outside the range of normal franchising success. Okay. Um because once we get to probably 75 80 units then we're kind of at a tipping point where you do start growing the franchisor team. Um because you've got a growing network right. too at that, that point. But we're, yeah, we're 
we're lean right now, but uh, I think you see you see growth coming coming down the pipe. Efficient. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we'll double in size in the next three years. How do you do that and manage and man, and, and and not lose touch with quality control and and service standards? And and that is the that's the big big question, big challenge. So um, you know, you be you're you're trying to be very uh, vigilant on culture, on communications, listening. The collaboration, the mentoring. So even though you're adding on 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 locations and 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 franchisees. So that's you know 50 different personalities now that you're trying to trying to help or work with. Um, you've got to stay true to your core. Yeah. Yeah. And and well, and rapid growth means that you've got to really stay true to your core and your values, Jeff, because otherwise, you know. People come in and they're not they're not assimilating the values of, of the company and things shift and can shift sideways really quickly. Yeah, that's very true. Plus, you know, in the franchising world, Doug, oftentimes, most often, the franchisees are coming in the new ones because they see that core, they see that culture, they want to be part of that culture. So, to your point, if they come in and you know, two or three years later, they see, oh my gosh, this culture's changed. Right. Then you've got, you know, you've got angst and you've got disagreement and that's not going to help you grow. No, uh, no. You need to have everybody pretty much in lockstep all the way down down the way. What kind of training do your franchisees, franchisees go through? Pretty extensive. We have uh, 40, 40 hours of virtual training that a new owner goes through, then five days of classroom training here in San Antonio. Um, and then we go out into the market within the first 30 days of, of a new office opening to do additional training on, on site. And then after that, there are quarterly training conferences that owners can attend mm-hmm. that we hold all across the country. Um, and then we have quite an extensive learning management system for the owner's staff to be able to go through extensive training on a continual basis too. And, and and a typical franchisee, how many other than the caregivers themselves, how many employees would a typical franchisee have? Well, the core office has a three FTE, full-time equivalent base start. Okay. Uh, an agency director, a care manager, and a marketer, or what we call home care consultant. Uh, and then the average, the average operation has right now between 40 and 50 caregivers. Okay. So it's a you know 45, 50, 55 employee operation on, on average. That's that's a lot. <laughs> and that can be it is. And, yeah, and you, you know, you can scale to where you have a hundred, hundred and twenty, hundred and forty caregivers. So oh. um yeah, it can become quite a large operation. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, I'm you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm just thinking of all the compliance stuff that comes along with that. <laughs> and, uh, and the issues of working in homes and I uh, that can get complicated fast. It can, it can. There's a there's a core liability structure that that we have in place for the franchise owner to take advantage of. And obviously, again, that's their own business, independently owned and operated. But as a franchisor, we've got a really strong, solid uh, professional liability right. um, kind of package. They also have non-owned auto bonding, so that to your point, um, they're not you know wide open to not many many risks. Yeah. And as long as they follow the rules that you set down and follow your practices, they probably remain pretty clean. Yeah. And and then just, you know, basic state labor laws. Right. Um, they're, in, they're in great shape. It's really not a business that is, you know, high risk or 
or high legal potential to it if if it's run right to your point so do you, what kind of messiness do you see quite a bit <laughs> <laughs> um Give me some examples of what what kinds of problems yeah, yeah well you know it's it's it, you know, i guess it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because if we do if we do our job well and, and provide a great care we become like part of the family so then that pulls us into family dynamics. There you go. And you and I were talking before we started about, you know, having aging parents that, 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 that we care for. So if we insert ourselves as a caregiver and we're really trying to serve the aging parent, but also many cases uh, report to, if you will, or update to the adult child, because more and more in our business today, the adult child actually controls the finances and controls the care. Right. Um, so... We've got this kind of three-legged stool that we're trying to manage. So the messiness comes in play often nice because of those family dynamics. We'll have siblings that don't agree uh -huh. of how to take care of mom or dad. Uh -huh. um, we'll have a finite pool of money funds that are going towards mom or dad's care. Right. We have to be careful in how we or what we recommend, how we care. Um so that's where the messiness usually comes into play. Okay. I, I'm very familiar with that as a mediator. I've mediated yes. a substantial number of care care cases where the siblings, oh, I'll never forget one case. I nine siblings, age 35 to 55. Wow. They had aging parents in their 90s who were failing and couldn't, they got into a lawsuit over who was going to care for mom and dad. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, that's that, that. It's interesting that you mentioned that. That is not unusual. Now, now nine siblings is probably a little bit higher than the average. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that scenario, Doug, is not unusual in our industry at all, and it especially intensifies or can intensify as mom or dad's conditions. That's right. Deteriorate, right? Because there are all kinds of psychological dynamics that are going on with as mom and dad come to the end. It, they've they've always been the anchor for the family, and now the That's anchor right. is going away. And the siblings have never built a relationship between themselves, absent the anchor of the parents. And when the parents are failing, now the siblings have to start reconstructing their relationships with each other. Very and true. That either works or it doesn't. Yes, yes. Well, and then you also have the dynamic of, you know, the the sibling now can can be maybe in a caregiver role. Which is yeah. very different from being, you know, a son or a, a daughter. So right. that can also, reverse. yes, that can add a twist to everything as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's again, I would just still say it's very rewarding, and we provide a great service. We're able to help families provide great uh, a great level of care in the community, but uh, because we become part of the family dynamic, you get into the family. Um, so how do you yeah. how do you how, how do you how do you coach your your people to navigate that sort of stuff? Yes, there's there's extensive ongoing training. We're always communicating with with staff, and when I say we, the franchise owner is always communicating with the staff on how to manage through family dynamics, family communication. That what I mentioned before about the tablet and having care notes is a big big part of that yeah. because then that can be a kind of objective third party, impartial you know, view or database That's right. that the siblings or, you know, an aunt or uncle can always access, always look at, and it's not tainted or shaded 
by what one's sibling thinks. That's what I like about your tablet system, Jeff, is that it, anybody can get the, get the app and have access to the information about mom or dad or what's going on. And yes. even if they're across the country, they can they can see it. And and information is key on this stuff. Exactly right. Yeah, that can that that just by itself can probably avoid a lot of conflict. It can, it can, and it can also, um, from a technology standpoint, help the family see more and more firsthand, okay, mom or dad is deteriorating or they do need this additional care. So it kind of helps you plan in advance too. Right. Wow, it's amazing. What an interesting, what what an interesting world you work you work in. <laughs> it's, it, it really is a great, great business. Like I said in the beginning, it's, you know, for me, Doug, it's kind of the confluence of franchising and home home care. So um, I just love the industry and love being able to give back. If, if people were interested in becoming a franchisee, how would they how would they go about doing that? Absolutely. Um, our website at caringseniorservice.com would be the first place to go for whether it be services or for a franchise. Um, we do not require a healthcare background. Oftentimes people think, well, don't I have to be a nurse or something? Absolutely not for, for caring senior service. Um, we have franchisees from all walks of life, occupations, and banking, sales, telecommunications, technology. If you have good organizational skills, good people skills, as in management skills, good presentation skills, to me, and what I've seen and found, those are the those are the traits that really uh, enable someone to be very successful. And and if you don't mind me asking, what 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 kind of income levels or revenue levels do franchisees typically typically earn? Uh, the earnings are a little bit variable by their expense structure. Okay. Um, but we do have uh, in all franchises are regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. We have what's called a franchise disclosure document that we all have to uh, post on an annual basis. It has our um, initial working capital estimate. So maybe to help answer your question too, Doug. Um, our working capital estimate is one ten to one hundred seventy thousand dollars. That's the working capital requirement to get into this type of business with caring senior service. Um, the incomes uh, can can vary widely, but can be very much in the mid to upper six figure numbers um, after multiple years in business. I think the industry stats uh, show very strong uh, gross margin and net margin ranges. Right. So you, you get in, you get in for less than a hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, if you work hard and do well, you can push seven figures. It's, it's, uh, I'm not sure about seven figures, but um, I certainly, see. certainly the six figure range. Okay. Yes. Good. I mean, that's a, that's a reasonable return on investment. So it, it may, it's a good business opportunity for people. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it really helps too. As I mentioned, yeah, it's, you're helping your community, you're giving back, right. making a difference in people's lives. And what we're finding now too, is it can be generational. So we have more and more franchise owners that have been in 10, 15, 20 years, and now they're passing the business to their daughter, their son. Okay. Um, that's a very, very appealing aspect of it too. Absolutely. All right, well, this has been a great conversation. I have one more question for you before I let you go. What is one thing about yourself that we wouldn't know about unless you revealed it to us? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I played college basketball for a brief period of time. Um, you can't can't tell on a Zoom call, but I'm, I'm fairly tall. So 
Big um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Well, Jeff, this has been a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. Thanks for having me, Doug. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks again. You're welcome. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.